Hello, friends. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Mason. Paul Sweeney once said, You know you've read a good book when you turn the last page and you feel a little as if you've lost a friend. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces our listeners to exciting new authors who talk about themselves and their latest work. On today's show, we'll hear about China yesterday and today, as well as get a futuristic view of a new planet colonized by citizens of the Earth. Stay tuned and hear more. Dr. Jian Wang joins me today to talk about his book, A Humble Hero. Dr. Huang was born and raised in the southern Yangtze River area. He was educated as a medical doctor and emigrated to the United States. Currently, he serves as adjunct faculty at Bastyr University in Seattle. Welcome, Dr. Huang. Thank you, Cheryl. Well, it's a pleasure to have you today. The book is so interesting, and it's so filled with history. What inspired you to decide to write the book? Yes, uh, there's a several, like uh, the preface in the book, I said that there's a several things. One is that um, uh, current uh, Chinese change a lot. So a lot of traditions and the culture and the customers have been and is being, are being washing over very quickly, actually. And uh, uh, also, uh, those, especially the essence part, the good part of the Chinese tradition, and <laughs> just it's not there anymore or being completely eradicated. So in all, this is the first. Second is that for the last several years on the Western, the Europe, the United States, the media, mm-hmm. uh, majority of the stories and uh, the reports, except, except some economical news, uh, good news, all of them are negative. So that is inspiring me to try to relay the message, relay the Chinese tradition, the real the Chinese culture to the Westerners, tell them, telling them that the Chinese culture, it's not the, the read from the newspaper, from the media right now. We used to be a really advanced, wonderful uh, culture, the people helping each other. Actually, i tell you a story right now. I have uh, a cousin. He's 74. Last year, 2014, he was elected as the one of the one of the ten most impressive person in 2014. Because in the last 20, uh, 30 years, he anonymously donated a lot of all his savings to the people who need it. And it was by accident that people found that. And uh, when he was interviewed, he said why he did that. And what he said is, this is uh, grown up with. His parents 
grandparents always taught them to do. That's it's no any like for the uh, you know fancy stuff or something like that. That's the build in that. And he reminded me all oh, this in my book what Rodas wrote. So that's the real tradition, Chinese. But unfortunately, right now we have so many <laughs> so like a. Stories, bad stories, negative stories, such as the, people, the, the corruption, so terrible corruption, and also the people are indifference, like uh, the when the people had accident, nobody pay attention, nobody like uh, help, offer the, the help, offers the help. The that, story. That, the story you yeah. told about the baby in the preface, the preface yeah. of the book, was very frightening. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, not yes. That's the one. Also, just lately, there's a one, fourteen years old boy, was drowning, struggling in the water. Four of his fellow students stood on the bank, and watched him die. Didn't make effort. To, to rescue him, or even call nine one one at all. Just last week, they just let him drown. Yeah, that's a frightening. I agree. That's why I want to, because all these tradition, we all this know about. Not many people write down, and the local, the government. Societies and they are consuming all the money. They don't care about this at all anymore. Let's talk about the book. Tell me a little bit about your hero, Ling Sin. Yeah. Uh, that's my grandpa. It's a basically true story, and I grew up with him. And uh, he passed away when I was uh, 16 years old. So I learned a lot, and not just from him, from my villages from the, a lot of acquaintance, they always highly speaking of him because he's so uh, he's so honest, straightforward, and also on uh, the warm-hearted, on the big-hearted. So he was the, not just the hero of mine in my heart, but also he was the hero among the villages, among those, all the people. And he actually he was born nineteen zero zero, where the Box a Rebellion, and also eight coalition, eight nations coalition invaded China. That's the which the precursor of the Qing Dynasty collapsed. And uh, so when he was five, his father died. In the name of his eleven, he had to quit school to help the family. And when he was 21, separated from his brother, he inherited 800 silver dollars of debt. And he only had uh, one-tenth of of acres of land, even couldn't support himself. And over the next 25 years or so, he not only paid off his debt, but also bought land. So... It, it, from his all from his hard work, and uh, but unfortunately, nineteen forty nine, his fortune is downside because he's not able to rent the 
the land anymore. And uh, so finally, he's, um, he had, I believe, from what he, we con- a conversation, he, he held, held a great deal of pain. Uh, actually, before 1949, he was suffered a lot, but he's always optimistic. He always like a, uh, a happy, looking forward, hopeful. Right. But after forty nine, he's hoping gradually giving away. Uh, but he still held down the tradition. He never gave up his belief. He never gave up his uh, uh, the virtue. That's the the conflict between him his virtue and the government propaganda. Government does uh, behavior is getting hard, uh, escalating to the point that they, you know, just finally crashed. And you talk about putting the value on earning money in any way possible. And if you defraud someone or if you do something bad, if you steal from someone, it's okay. That was so surprising to me. That, that's right now. Yeah. Right now. And my grandpa believed that only the wealth and the, should be from one's own hand, hard work. That you own should hand. earn it, right? You should earn it yeah. through your hard work. Yeah, that's the way. But right now, the people just uh, do any kind of thing. As long as the money can get money, no matter the 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 hooks or brooks, whatever the cheating, whatever, it's okay. Yeah, that's why the corruption is so bad in China. The corruption is not just those people in the power. The corruption into the grassroots, actually. So everybody's corrupted. Wow. Corrupted. Corrupted, actually. Your book is just full of information. And one of the... <laughs> yeah. It really is. One of the things I really liked was that there will be points where if you're just reading along, you, you would not understand it. And you've done an excellent job of putting yeah, in yeah. footnotes that explain yeah. that point. Yeah. And I appreciated yeah. that so much. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The, the thing is that I think in, in the book, not just the information, and also I think that there's a great reference to the, uh, the current the situation. For example, I, just like I mentioned, the water, like water system mm-hmm. in the, the Yangtze River area, we used to be such a healthy, good water system. It served thousands of years as a transportation system, basically, mm-hmm. and the irrigation system, and also the... Uh, aquatic produces, produce and uh, fishery products. So all the self-sufficient are really wonderful because the technology farmers, they dug out the mud from the bottom of the water bodies as natural fertilizers. At the same time, they clean up the system. And, but right now, nobody does that anymore. It's <laughs> wow. all use natural fertilizers. So water quality deteriorating so fast that it is that now in China, according to the government, 90% is surface water, 
is not drinkable at all anymore. And the 70% underground water is not drinkable anymore. That's us. Which happened, you know what, which happened exactly nine, uh, seven years ago. In my hometown, there's a city. All of a sudden, over one day, that tap water smells like, uh, <laughs> smells like a dead fish. Oh, dear. Yeah, and the, the brownish color. What happened is because algae in Lake Tai, the water source, died all of a sudden. This algae has become too much new, uh, the, uh, the nitrogen. Organic stuff on the bottom of the water, in the bottom, in the water, because people don't clean up anymore. Wow. Yeah. If you could sit down with yeah. our listeners, yeah. what one point would you really like to make with them if you were sitting face to face and could give them the bottom line message that you want them to take away from your book? What would it be? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what how because there are many many points, but one thing is that uh, I would say basically the you know what uh, I would say democracy, the freedom, all these are universal. No matter how suppressed societies, the cultures, everybody is lying for that. That's my grandpa lying for the freedom, economical freedom. They, even though at that time he didn't have enough land, but he had the freedom to rent land, farmland, right, to improve his life, to pay off his debt. But when 1949, all this freedom will take over, he's miserable. Not only him, all the Chinese people are pushed into the poverty. That's the, it's, it's not, I always tell the people, like here in China, somebody, people say, hey, we are not rich enough to be democratic, democracy, to have a democracy, yet, to have a freedom of speech yet. That's not true. That's not true. You're right. Yeah. Everybody deserves that. You're right. Yeah. That's well, what I mean. Yeah. Now, I found your book. I went to Amazon.com. Yeah. And I put in a humble hero. Yeah. And I'm going to spell your name so that if our listeners want to yeah. go and find the book, it's okay. A Humble Hero by Dr. Yeah. Gian. J I A N X I N Huang H U A N G. And all they have to do is type that into the book search feature and just click on that little magnifying glass, and your book comes right up. And there's a really nice excerpt from your book yeah. there. Now, yeah. if the listeners want to find it somewhere else beside Amazon, where else can they go? Uh, you can go to uh, Bon Noble Bookstore. You, they have that. And also, uh, you can directly buy from our website, www.jianxin, 
H U A N G dot com. And they could buy it directly from the website. Yes. Now, you've got a website, but you're not doing anything on Facebook or Twitter, right? Because <laughs> I'm too busy. To <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame yeah. you. The yeah. book is. Sorry. The book but is. But I do have a face, Facebook. Do I have a? I have a Facebook account. Can if they put your name in, will you come up on Facebook? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with yeah. you. The book is fascinating. You did an excellent job, and I know you're busy, so thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me on Inside the Writer's Cafe, Dr. Wong. Okay, okay. thank you so much, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Dr. William Lees joins me now to talk about his book, Foundation Earth. Bill received his M.D. degree from Duke University's Medical School, and he practiced medicine for 50 years and retired in 2003. Bill, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. What inspired you to write this book? Uh, I guess my imagination. Well, I really uh, like I'm, it. I'm really a science fiction fan. Uh, I've read it all my life. And uh, I always thought that I would like to write a book uh, with paranormal abilities to see how it would play out. And so that's where the idea came from, just from your imagination. Yes, exactly. Well, you've given us an earth that's not very not very positive in the book. Let's do our view let's give our viewers a little bit of an overview of what the book's about. Well, uh the overview is that uh this particular family uh was changed by virtue of a uh sunstorm and they were knocked unconscious by lightning and this changed them in some way and gave them some ESP power. Uh, she was pregnant at the time and apparently this affected the babies uh, so that they had paranormal abilities. Basically the rest of the book follows that line uh, and their uh, accomplishments uh, during their lifetime in helping to save the Earth and also in developing space travel. Their children and grandchildren had full paranormal powers and so forth. And uh, they were, they did a whole lot of uh, other types of things. They were captured, they uh, escaped, they uh, had someone in the family that uh, was head of Foundation Earth, uh, who was kidnapped, and they were implemented in his release. And uh, how they had their children and what their children could do. And once they developed space travel, uh, they found life in our uh, universe, and they terraformed a planet and colonized it. And it's a story about all of this happening. 
but it's more pinpointed by the characters in the book. Uh, the book doesn't start that way. It starts with uh, uh, a doctor who meets a lady who he wants to see more of, and she wants to see more of him. him. So it's sort of a little romantic beginning, uh, but romance is not the book. Well, you've got what you've you've given us a new planet, and am I pronouncing it correctly, Verdi? Verdi, yes, it's, it's Verdi is uh, uh, the word in, uh, in uh, Latin for green. And you, this is a planet that has it's similar to Earth, but not quite like Earth, and so. We come in at the beginning of the book when they're just starting to do the colonization, and that's correct. And of, then when they, when the, when Randy and his young lady, uh, Amy, get together, Amy has to tell them that she is a member of the family that can do all these paranormal things. And then she reverts back to the beginning when her grandparents were the ones that were affected by the sun solar storm. And now, she re relates her life and their life to him so he understands what's going on up until he colonized the place. Or he was among the first colonists. He's a doctor. Oddly yeah. enough, since you're a doctor, you made him a doctor, and we come yeah, in. Yeah, I made him a doctor because I know a little bit about it. I, I, I was a pediatrician rather than a general doctor, but I did have a year of internal medicine in, in training. Well, you know, they say, write what you know. And so I thought your doctor, you had two doctor characters. You have Dr. Randy Harper, and then you've got, uh, who's the other one? Jonathan, John Thompson. He's the other doctor yeah, that's on but, the Yeah, uh, but Thompson is, is his, um, his equal in the small medical clinic that they have there. Uh, but it's not his story. This is all about the family. And since Randy becomes a member of the family when he marries Amy, uh, that's the follow-through. We never get back to Thompson again. But what you've done is people the novel with all kinds of characters so that yeah. you've let us see what it would be like if there was a colonization of another planet. You've got characters, you've got a family that yeah. uh, we, we get to see them and we get to see them interact with dogs and the sheep arrive and it, you've done a really nice job peopling the book with characters that are interesting and that are believable and that help move your plot along? Well, I agree that the characters are interesting and believable to the best of my ability in there, but there are many characters that are mentioned that are never followed up. Now, I will have to say that uh, I know this interview is regarding this particular book, but book two is already written that's a follow-up on this family, and I'm writing book three uh, at the present time. I don't know if that's appropriate for this interview or not, but that's true. Of course it is. Well, uh, book two shows more 
work with regard to space travel and finding life and so forth. Um, other planets have been found and being colonized and live uh, human people are being found on one. Um, that's in book two, and uh, anybody who is interested in book one may be interested in book two. I exactly, hope. exactly. Now, you've been talking about this family that's involved with Foundation Earth, but we've never yes. given them a name. Who are the people that are that are the family that you're talking about? Well, the beginning ones uh, are two doctors that... Uh, have been trained in Boston and uh, went to Harvard and um, taking their uh, postgraduate studies, their residency training programs at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital. And uh, they're on vacation or a second honeymoon, and they get hit by this uh, solar storm, and it changes them and produces the change in their twin babies that she's carrying and it, it goes through their growth and development and things that they did and uh, uh, how they developed their paranormal powers and so forth and uh, now then, is, is this Jim and Samantha Hodges that you're talking about that are Amy's are they Amy's grandparents uh, they're Amy's grandparents. That okay. is correct. And Amy Perez is the Amy that's involved with Randy Harper. And she right. she actually works for uh, the governor of the colony, Colonel John Lipscomb. So I, I well, want to give she them works some names. For him, but she, she has uh, uh, full control of the entire situation. She can uh, uh, change his way of thinking mentally uh, or she can talk him into it one way or another and uh, she can cancel anything that he suggests she's the big boss but she's listed as his assistant I think that's an uh, interesting way to have done that are there are there themes are there is there there's a message that you're trying to get through to your reader or did you just write the book to entertain people well, it's the entertainment primarily, but there is a message uh, in the beginning of the book when Amy starts to tell Randy about her family. Uh, Foundation Earth was formed primarily to, quote, save the Earth. And as they developed this theme, uh, saving the Earth meant reducing the population. And reducing the population uh, is a very ticklish type of subject, very moral and so forth. And uh, they uh, did this by having a infertility virus that, that was 100% contagious and never left the body like chickenpox never leaves the body and you can get shingles when you're older. Anyway, um, it doesn't stop ovulation completely. It just reduces it, so there's a reduced birth rate. If you reduce the birth rate, natural uh, deaths of older people will totally reduce the population. And this reduces the use of the Earth's resources and basically saves the Earth from the overpopulation that 
uh, I personally believe is a cause for many of our problems now. Anyway, that's that theme, and I think that's the only, other than entertainment, that's the only other theme that goes in that book. Well, I went to Amazon.com, and I put your name, and it's spelled, it's William, W-I-L-L-I-A-M, but the last name is spelled L-I-E-S, and I put Foundation Earth by William Lies in the book search feature and just clicked on that little magnifying glass and it came right up and there's a very very nice excerpt of about the first one or two chapters with a little preface at the very beginning so if our listeners wanted to get a real flavor of the book and get a real flavor for those characters they could go to Amazon and read that excerpt and they could also buy the book there is there anywhere else that the book is available, Bill? Well, it's supposed to be available at Barnes & Noble. I know it's available at Barnes & Noble here in Dothan because uh, uh, so many people know me, uh, and probably very few of them know that I wrote a book, but we will get some publication in our local newspaper and probably um, uh, a TV interview with with someone from Barnes & Noble and so forth. And uh, we'll see how many they sell. Now, uh, I don't know whether the author house who published the book is planning on uh, having the book available through Barnes & Noble. They may or may not. Um, uh, I don't know if the local Barnes & Noble will notify the the uh, so-called bigwigs that run things at Barnes & Noble to have the book available or not. But I hope they do. What generally happens is that you can also go to the Author House website, and the book oh, is yes. usually available there as well. Along, oh, yes. along with, there's usually an excerpt there at the Author House website as well. Right. Uh, the, the book's available in two forms, hardcover form and a, a softcover form. I think softcover form is a little less expensive uh, as books go, but that's about it. Now, Amazon also showed that you could get a Kindle version. If you have, oh, a, yes. if you have a Kindle or if you like to use your iPhone or your iPad to read. Yes. Who's your target audience, Bill? Do you really have one? Did you write for uh, somebody? I'm sorry. Say that again. Who's your target audience? Uh, young adults, uh, I think, primarily because they they uh, are more free thinking, I guess, with regard to paranormal abilities and and. Uh, uh, space travel and that type of thing, and are more interested in what might be out in the galaxy. Uh, you know, is there is there life someplace else? Uh, there are many, many, many planets out there, millions, and and some may well have life. And one of these days, we're going to find it. Uh, it may not be like what we expect. It may be totally different, or, but uh, uh, maybe we were all made in similar fashion. And if that's true, then we're going to find some intelligence life out there, not just uh, vegetable life and so forth. When the readers finish 
the book. They turn that last page. They close that back cover for the last time. What do you want them to leave with? Do you want them to leave just feeling like they've read a really good science fiction book? Or is there something else that you want them to take away? I want them to take away the fact that uh, the present situation of our Earth is, uh, is deteriorating and that we are using uh, resources uh, without restoring them. Uh, the particular point in mind is that uh, we have a limited amount of oil in the country. We have a, a, a limited amount of coal, and uh, we're only beginning to uh, use secondary energy fields to produce electricity, which we all need, and uh, the solar power and uh, uh, wafers that convert the sun's power into an electrical charge is one. And, of course, the wind power with these huge, huge windmill-type uh, things that uh, generate electricity. And, of course, uh, river damming and uh, uh, water uh, power generators to produce power uh, is, is basically the third source. Those are all renewable, and we need to get away from things like coal and oil eventually, and gas eventually. But uh, it won't be in my lifetime, of course. <laughs> well, Bill, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much for being our guest today on Inside the Writer's Cafe. Well, I appreciate the invitation to speak. Uh, I hope I've been... Uh, careful in what I have said, particularly about the overpopulation situation. But I know it's a very moral type of uh, subject, and uh, I hope I haven't overstepped my literary bounds there. You've done a great job. Thanks again for being with me. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, Pick up a good book and read.